0: Welcome to episode 71 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin.
1: And I'm Bryn Jackson. This episode, we got to hang out with Michael Lomans. You probably know him for his work on Instagram, but he's now at Facebook. So yet another Facebook designer, you guys. Are you so excited? Seriously, though, he's really amazing. And he's super into puppies. Who knew?
0: Before we get into the show, we have two sponsors we want to thank for making this episode possible.
1: First, Dropbox. Dropbox is a syncing service that enables people to work together better. They also build things like Mailbox, They just launched Dropbox Paper, which is a collaborative note-taking app where you can even embed, like, sketch files. I've heard some of the people there are using it for specs that include actual design files in them. And those links take you out to the file, which is awesome. You can hold comments inside the file previews. You can send files super fast just by using the file previewer instead of actually sending the entire, like, maybe it's like a 50 meg sketch file. I mean that's a lot but I mean even the Facebook UI stuff is like 75 megs it's huge if you're not using Dropbox already but you are using a computer you should start using Dropbox because it's awesome and it'll back up your files and you can do all sorts of awesome stuff like previous version history you can share really fast in line in your file system or on the browser and it just helps you get your job done faster it gets all your work done way better with other people to share on the fly in the background without doing any additional work on your own. Thank you once again to Dropbox for sponsoring the show. Our second sponsor
0: is a new one, the exact opposite of Dropbox. One Month. One Month is the first ever online school specifically for tech entrepreneurs. It's where students can learn how to build and grow real world products. Uh, They show you how to build things like Instagram and Pinterest uh, using real tools like GitHub, Roku, Optimizely, Mixpanel, Uh, and a ton of other amazing tools. It's not about like getting a degree. It's not about taking college classes or any of this stuff. It's all about applied learning. So they're trying to give you real life skills to build real products with real code. You don't have to waste years or months in a classroom. Uh, You don't have to take days off just to like invest the time to learn. Uh, You don't have to drive anywhere. It's all from the comfort of your own browser.
1: We constantly encourage in this show and in like Immutable and everything that you learn things as you do them. One month is like the perfect way to do that.
0: Yes, so what can you learn on one month? Programming for non-programmers. Intro to programming, things like iOS development with Swift, HTML and CSS, Ruby on Rails, Python, jQuery, content marketing, uh, and the best part is if you get stuck, there's always someone there to help you out while you're building and growing a product. A real person, not just a help center, but a real person that can help you build things. You can enroll now if you go to onemonth.com slash design details. It's typically 50 bucks a month. But if you join now through that URL, you'll receive your first month for 25% off and of course, that tells them that you came from the show and that you uh, are supporting us. So that's once again, onemonth.com slash design details. Thanks once again to One Month.
1: And with that, let's get into episode 71 with Michael Lomans.
2: My name is Michael Lomans. Every Uber driver calls me Michael Lomans. Michael Lomans. Uh, well, they call me Michael because they don't know my last name. Wait, Lomans. App doesn't, yeah, it's Lomans. Oh, wow. Because yeah. I'm, I'm Dutch and like, they say it that way um <laughs> that's a language word <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> phonetics um so yeah i'm currently a designer of facebook um before this i was at another Instagram. one another uh. one yeah i know i'm the i'm the worst one which is probably great for you guys um
0: no one's disagreeing
2: yeah um originally right. from the Netherlands, so that's why my name is michael lomans um from a small town. michael from is
1: spelled the most unique way i've ever seen it
2: yeah that's i mean that's my parents So it's basically like M-I-A-K-E-L is like Dutch phonetic spelling. And then they they decided to just make a Y out of that I. Um, Interesting. So, yeah, ever since I I moved to the U.S., that's like kind of awkward. My
1: name is Bryn. I have nothing to stand on there.
2: Brian. Hey, Brian. Or Byron. Or Byron. Byron. (laughs) Lord Byron. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take that. Yeah, that's pretty good. But yeah. Um, before that, I had an agency and was freelance um, back in my hometown of Maastricht, which you will probably only have heard about if you've done European studies, because the Treaty of Maastricht was signed in 1992, which I think is the reason why we now have a European Union, which is a small thing, but...
0: No big deal. MBD. You got started super young building things, right?
2: Yes. I was 10 when I made a, probably like a eight-pager. I was like a mini-magazine about um video games and it was like tomb raider one on the ps1 um and so i'm gonna my- say it
1: tomb raider from now on
2: what is it tomb raider tomb, tomb tomb raider Braider. no
1: no bu- no but
0: tomb-, <laughs> tomb raider there you go interesting no just keep saying it how you it's want tomb raider. to say it you you
1: you braid those tombs <laughs> <laughs> tomb raider <laughs>
2: So, my yeah, my uh, my across-the-street um, neighbor kid and myself, we would, um, we would use Microsoft Publisher to make this thing. I think I made, like, three or four volumes. Um, I randomly thought about this because I, like, had the question, like, that was asked to me, like, what do you want to talk about? And I was like, holy shit. Like, if I go all the way back, the story that I always tell is that I, like, made my first GeoCities website when I was 11. But there was, like, one thing before, which was, like, using Microsoft Publisher to print some really sketchy little tiny magazine
0: did you realize you were designing at the time or were you just screwing around yeah you're just fucking around
2: yeah yeah doesn't really wait do we say fuck on the show yeah say whatever you want perfect
0: um but now we have to mark it as explicit (laughs) (laughs) I always do (laughs) yeah
2: damn you apple (laughs) um but yeah and so um like honestly like the, the writing that first website that wasn't really designing that was just like, I had a friend of a friend who said it was really cool to make a website in a notepad and therefore like no syntax highlighting. I mean, not that any editors back in the day had syntax highlighting, but like no use of front page, which was like a thing then. It was like 3.0 or something. And, uh. You no, were
1: using like Cold Fusion or iWeb? Definitely not. That. No, it was all Wait. like.
2: Will you set the context? What year is this? This was like 1996. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha i think i got dial up in 95 oh this is a cool side story so my um one of my grandmas would always give me 10 guilders uh, of allowance mm-hmm. every week mm-hmm. and um i still know that i still remember this vividly dial-up cost uh, 1.8 guilders per hour and so i would have five hours of internet five and a half hours of internet every week and and you and that would be, like, the four kilobyte a second, like, downloading MP3s, you know, like, for, like, 15 minutes, and then dial it would fail, and your download would fail. And you didn't have, like, apps like Download Accelerator yet that could resume your downloads uh-huh. so you'd be completely, like, screwed. It was, like... Yeah, that was, like, those times. That's crazy. Okay. Yeah. The coolest thing that... Um, the before times. The before the times. The dark ages. Yeah, before <laughs> 1997, when I got cable Oh. So, this... Yeah, this guy, basically, um, he was at, at the... The neighbor kid of uh, one of my classmates and he was two years older than us or something and he was kind of like the instigator of all of this and so while we had like a one page what like GeoCities website he like had found out how frame sets work and so his shit was all cool you know because he had like the sidebar with the navigation and like his frame sets were so dope (laughs) yeah that was uh yeah that was like (sighs) different time it's good different time for sure um yeah, and from there, um, eventually, did like I played a lot of video games when I was younger, and so I was like on like these community forums, and I was like making signatures for people, which is like where a lot of like very very poor visual design comes in. Um,
1: Who was it that was like in love with those? Is that Puckett?
2: Maybe Puckett. Yeah,
1: he was like, do you guys remember forum signatures? Those yeah. are great.
2: And then and then um, they they made avatars a thing, and so you have like an avatar and a signature, mm-hmm. and you can make a set of those because they would like kind of like. Work well together. What forums were you on? Um, Are these like
0: design forums or game forums?
2: Mainly, I think my time was spent on um, this one game, which was this um, modification for Unreal Tournament mm-hmm. called Tactical Ops. It was like the Unreal Tournament equivalent of Counter Strike, and it was a pretty like tight knit community. I think I spent at least like three years in that community. Yeah, and that's one that w- I mean, just flat files. I think I used software like Paint Shop Pro and like Photo Impact and. Because Photoshop was always like it had this learning curve and it just wasn't worth it. It's like Photoshop four, ages or something. Mm-hmm. At yeah. this point,
0: were you still just screwing around on your computer, or were yeah, you saying still... I'm designing?
2: No, 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 still, fu- still just like futzing around yeah. with with stuff. Okay. Um,
1: That's funny though. Photoshop four was the one that got me into it. Yeah, like I would just do Photoshop tutorials and like learn how to make stupid fucking effects. I
2: I remember when Photoshop six came out. That was like when it kind of like hit me. I was like, oh. It has all this cool stuff. Now, I can't remember what the features were, but like that was like... Was that
1: when filters came in? Or was filters earlier than that?
2: Might have been. I don't know. But yeah, and that I think that we're around like 1997 then, which is where cable came in. So living in a small town, like far away from Amsterdam, I think Amsterdam had like the first cable connection in the Netherlands. But then this um, this cable company decided that like Maastricht was one of the places where they would just beta test all of their like cool like cable connections.
1: It was like the '97 version of Google Fiber. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah, and <laughs> so awesome. uh,
2: and so they announced this, and so I ended up like just filling that form and calling and filling that form again, and so I got a call a certain night where it was basically this lady. She was like, "Hello, is this is this Michael Loman?"s And I was like. Um, this was my mom picked up, and he's like, "Nobody's here," and it's like 9 p.m. or something, and they're like, "What the fuck? Like, who who calls for my son? He's like 13 or like 12 or something." What did he do? This is awkward. Yeah, Yeah. and um, and so um, I get the lady on the line, and she's like, "Hey, like we're we're calling from at home," which was like what it was called. It was like now it's kind of like the, the the Comcast of the Netherlands, but uh. And she was like, yeah, like, I thought that you might like um, to hear that you're one of our, like, you're going to be one of our first cable connections in the city. We noticed that you filled in the form more than 30 times. (laughs) And um, so we really thought that you might like it. And I was like, all right, that's cool. And so we got it. And, like, all of a sudden, like, download speeds were, like, 300 kilobytes a second. And then, like, obviously online gaming became a lot easier and a lot faster. Um, That's actually when I started online gaming, I think, when I got cable what was funny is that the same kid who actually got me to write these notepad, like HTML files um, just ended up like, he saw that I did the forum signatures and stuff. And he just ended up like giving me like small contract work for like the local pizzeria and all that kind of stuff. And then showed me CSS. And at the same time, my my neighbor at the time had also like shown me CSS. And so it was this like, Strange confluence of like, oh, CSS is a thing. And so that was like, that was when I like started really like seeing like web standards like are kind of cool. But again, like this is already going from like 11 to 15. I would just leave that shit and just play more video games. Like I wasn't really like that actively into it. But do you think it
0: set the the framework for what you, you eventually did, which was make websites?
2: It made it easier for me to make the decision when I was 17 to go to college for communication and multimedia design. Which was not the best course uh, on on this stuff, quite honestly, but um, it was a it was the only course at the time that would give you a laptop twenty four seven, so you could just use it all the time. And I had this background of like doing all this design work, so I was like, well, I can easily get through the first year. And there's this thing in um, in the Netherlands when you get like a certificate after the the first year, and then you can actually go and do like academic master's degrees and stuff. And so I was like, I'll just do that for a year, figure it out, we'll see what happens. And then after that year, I was like, Oh, I'll just like hang out. Like this was like pretty easy. I would kind of like be really I would be be really bad at the testing because it was like also like communication and like marketing and all that kind of stuff. But at the execution, I would always just like be really good and like have have like have found like the good like other kids in the class and just basically work together with them on stuff. And that's around the time when I got into programming, well, scripting probably. It's probably a better way to say it. Which was like PHP and ActionScript 2. That was like that age, the other dark ages, basically. <laughs> and so doing it for another year actually got me in, like, got me into programming a lot more with like one of my like really good friends. Um, and then I was like, at the end of that second year, I was like, well, I'll do the internship and maybe like after that I'll just like call it quits and I'll go do a real job. And so we did the, so we did the internship. So one of my best friends, Luke and myself, we did the internship together. And um, so we got put in this room, which was six square meters, which is, I think about like 60 square feet or something, or like 70 square feet with these massive 19 inch CRT monitors on our own laptops. And we were um, tasked to look at the website of a local housing company. And which was like 47 or like 57, like, FLA files because it was like flash and flash being like imported by shit because that was the only way to animate stuff and like kind of faded in and like web standards were like really bad back then this was like probably 2002 uh, yeah 2002 no 2004 like it was like like ie6 wasn't at its like as at its highest yet and ie6 by its in itself was like the worst But it was the best at the time. We just started using Firefox and stuff, and Firefox was like, like that was our sanity check. And then we had to fix it for IE. Right? Um, (laughs) That was kind of how it went. (laughs) Um, And so you know that you've done it right, and then you got to fix it for like everyone else, basically
1: all the little css hacks all
2: the hacks yeah and so this company was just like well we like they used to do like directors like like Macromedia media directors cds mm-hmm. and like all that kind of stuff and so they got into flash when they got into web and it was like kind of half advertising half producty stuff and so at a certain point I, they, they just like like this boss man just put us in a room and was just like hey like we've never had any like developers here could you please convert this website into like something dynamic could you make us a cms and so we like for like probably three minutes did some Googling and were like, oh, Joomla and like all these like open source systems. And we were like, this is all bullshit. We can do it ourselves. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and so these like two like 19-year-old kids basically like sit down and just like start making a CMS. And after like three months, we had built a CMS that was like bespoke and had all the like very custom things and it would get like ingested by this like these like flash files and it would like pass like information over XML and it was like all kind of cool. But just to illustrate how bad of an engineer we were, both of us, we spent two weeks um, trying to uh, traverse like a site map. Which is like you have a site map and like the site map has like parent IDs and like you could basically like there's a way to infinitely go through it. And we couldn't just get past the second like the second level of depth or something. So we couldn't make this tree structure and it took us two weeks up until like at a certain moment I was like I think it was like taking a shower in the morning. I was like what if I call the function again in the function <laughs> with the parent ID and um Uh. and so later on so we basically both got a job as like junior multimedia developers or something at this company and i spent like a couple months there because we actually like made the money and like we were like cheap as shit so like it was like and it was kind of fun work like you got to work for museums and like all these like pretty like interesting local um local like institutions and the designers that worked there were like really like print designers so you'd get this like pretty like hard to implement stuff so it was like very challenging but then um somewhere like three months through my like part-time job at that at that company so we were both still in college but like we would have part-time jobs there I'd kind of gotten to the point where I was like, this guy doesn't really know what he's doing. Like the boss, like he's just selling stuff. And then we have to kind of like figure out how to make it. Like he didn't even know what he would sell sometimes.
1: So it was a startup.
2: So it was like a really small. (laughs) Yeah, it was. It is right. Like it was a really small agency. And he like they've been doing this for like years. Like they got some like Dutch awards or something. And basically um, I was like, I don't really think that I want to keep on doing this, which was good because one of my good friends from high school um, sent me a message that was like hey like you used to make websites right we have this like guy who wants to like kind of kick help us kick off our company and like he'll like give us um, some like office space and like you know like some bootstrap cash if we need it but like I mean we were like all students so we didn't really need that much money and and because also like college in the Netherlands doesn't cost anything like it just costs like fifteen to sixteen hundred dollars a year back then so like no college debt you know mm-hmm. like all those all those mm-hmm. things debt debt. Great. Tomb Raider. Um, Tomb Raider. <laughs> so and so we we got together and um t- just to get back to that um that story of like traversing the the site tree, we got together and he had also brought in one of his university classmates. And this guy was like a real engineer. He was like smart he's like still is, he's like smart as all hell. And and so I like I said so I tell him the story. It was like yeah, it took us two weeks. It was like kind of weird, but we were very happy when it happened. He's like, oh, that's a recursive function. And I was like, wait, that has a name. Uh-huh. And that's when I again realized how poor of an engineer that I was. Um, so I was like, I guess I'll I'll become the designer. And so I got the creative director title, which was um, yeah, it was like the three of us. Like we had like a general like manager, the like technical guy, and then myself.
0: Do you think there's any chance you ever would have? if the conditions were right, would have stayed on the engineering track and been an engineer?
2: I think that um, looking back, I'd been wanting to learn PHP since I was like probably 17. And I never really got into it because I just didn't have enough direct feedback to like keep on going. Um, And I think that's the thing with like design is where, and especially like, like the type of engineering that I still do is like a lot of like front end engineering where you get immediate feedback on... Unlike um, the work that you 're actually like like the code that you 're writing, you can just refresh the browser and you can see it, which was funny because I just tweeted we were like we were driving up from from the office, and it was basically I was doing the Facebook app, which builds like the first bill of that app takes like ten minutes now, maybe twenty, which is down from like the first time I built it, it was like an hour, and so if you write a line of code there, it takes like three four minutes for you to see it, so that 's when you realize that you 're a bad engineer because. Most of the lines that I touch the first time, I'm like, is this the right line? Does this even, like, touch this, like, interface element, you know? Um, but now I can read it, and I can, like, like edit stuff.
0: Why do you find the need as a designer to be going in and writing production code?
2: Because there's something really powerful about actually making something move, and um, it's kind of that Frankenstein moment where it's like, well, you can, like, make, like, a really cool robot, but if you can make it move, that's way cooler, you know, mm-hmm. like... Oh, can I make it raise its arm on the left side? Oh, that's awesome. Thing is also like I think that um for the longest time as an industry, we were we were really interested in like finding that hybrid like designer engineer. Like um I remember y- there was an episode that you guys, I think, talked to Soleil mm-hmm. and he actually mentioned that like the early, the early crew of like Facebook engineers or had or Facebook designers had like quite some engineering like capacity too, because they were just like pushing code to prod this is
0: a pretty broad trend right like most designers that we're talking to that kind of got their stride in the between 2000 2010 and stuff like Mm -hmm. that are well known now in the design community like started out engineers and hacking on html and css and that kind of stuff
1: so i have two questions one before we got on this topic i I was gonna jump in and then you got straight into engineering Mm -hmm. you said your title is creative director back then yeah why you were the only designer. Why were you a creative director? Um
2: I think that what we we wanted to seem bigger than we actually were. Like looking back at it now, I'm, I'm like I would probably call it principal designer now or just maybe designer. But I mean this is like now I also work at a company where everyone is a product designer or you're a design manager or a design director and those are the three titles that we have, right?
1: I've had a bunch of people ask me. Actually, I had someone ask me today. Um the the way it was phrased was really funny. He's like, I keep hearing about all these people want unicorns. While I'm learning to design, should I be learning to code too? I'm like, my advice was learn to be a good horse before you try growing a horn. Like just try and do one thing first. Where do you think people should jump in? Should it just be like as you need it? Or should it just be, I'll try and learn everything at once? Or where where do you see that?
2: To me, I think the reason why I still kept on Doing engineering work is because at a certain point I would get stuck on design work and I would just use engineering as like a way to solve the next problem or to like see something like work in action.
1: It gives you a different set of constraints too, which is really nice.
2: Um, I think that seeing as it's way, way easier now to actually program, um, I would definitely... Recommend like trying trying it out at least as like if you are interested in design because it'll actually allow you to make stuff move. Like you can obviously start with like kind of like visual programming and use things like origami, and then like you like get into. Start like, with origami. Of, I mean, like that's like a pretty simple. the easiest
1: proto- simple.
2: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's not that simple. Mm. You can probably like start with like stuff like Flinto or something, right? Like or Pop Pop or Pop Pop. I don't I think know. it was pop, called pop. pop or something. Pop um but facebook? anyway like is
1: not pop the animation library from facebook
0: mm-hmm.
2: it is but there also used to be like i think some app on your phone and you can like draw like little rectangles and that was like a hit zone and crazy you could, hmm. you could use like multiple pictures and like kind of animate to them um i think that once you kind of figure out like how that flow stuff works getting into programming it's it's kind of hard but also like compared to the way it was back in the day and like browser inconsistencies and like you don't have to jump into ios you can just like start with like something like javascript or jquery or something right like pre-jquery web was the fucking worst
1: i feel like i've seen a lot of jquery drop off lately yeah i don't see anyone use jquery anymore
2: but that's because like um like now we have like things like like libraries like react which when i when i first saw that it was like this internal facebook project and mm. like they've been working on it for quite a while The guy that brought it to me, his name is Pete Hunt. He's like this massive genius. Like he just like goes on the React Roadshow now and like there's all these talks. He was like the first web engineer on the Instagram team. And so he showed me React and I was like, oh, I can read this. It's like a combination of like JavaScript and XML type syntax, which is called JSX. And um and that made it kind of approachable for me. And so now like even the smallest things that I make are in React. Like my personal like w- domain website is like has like three react classes or something and when i first made that i was just like i had like a cocktail in hand i was like behind my desk or something or, like on a couch and i was just like oh yeah i can just make this in react and kind of like learn in the process about all of the problems that i'll like bump into and, and how to solve them and then later on i wanted to lazy load the whole website and i just added, had to add, add like four lines of code and i was like ah not, now I get why actually knowing like how to program little by little gets you gets you somewhere really mm-hmm. really cool. And so you don't have to like think of it as like diving in the deep end. You can just like do one thing at a time. Like animate one. You don't one learn thing. all of programming. No, exactly. It's like <laughs> even like you don't even have to know know what like objective oriented programming is. Although it's like a whole concept that like if you make an app, you you're gonna need that. But if you just jump in and that's, that's what I said before is like, you make one thing animate or like, if you know how things, if you think, can think about how things structurally work. Well, if I can make one thing animate, I can probably make like replicate that 20 times. So now I have 20 things on a page that have the same behavior. And so, and I kind of hacked it together, right? Like it's like a for loop or like a while loop. It has like 10 lines or something. And then you're like, oh, now I want to do something structurally. And then you realize, well, I can, I can put another hack on this hack and you'll probably do that like a dozen times. And you realize, oh, well, this code is kind of shit.
1: Hacks on hacks on hacks.
2: Yeah, like where do I go next? Like what is the what is the next step? And then like something like React comes in, you know, like you do. Like, it's not as crazy as like Backbone is or something where you actually have to make data models and stuff. But... Um, I lost you about a minute ago. Yeah, exactly. Well, so another thing, like parse is like one of those examples, right? Like, oh, back in the day, you needed to like be able to... Make a dev environment that runs, like, MySQL, like, PHP or Python or Ruby or whatever you want. Um, The versions need to be correct. You need your, like, your modules or your gems or whatever the the fuck that shit's called. And setting that up, like, I know I still have a document of it took me a day and a half to get my, like, local devs set up on my Mac for the first time. And now I know how to do it. Mm -hmm but now i don't even have to do it because all of the data storing for any prototype or any small side project i just do in parse and parse to like talk to parse you basically import a js file and then you can just write some parse code you can pretty do amazing. it in like six lines it's or something pretty right amazing. and so so the point that i was trying to make um where i kind of started is like i think the tools that we have now are way easier to use than than what i started with so i would definitely like recommend you get in engin- into engineering if you have somewhat of a structural mind or if you're, like, somewhat good at, like, math or computer science.
0: I don't want to get too far ahead, but you work on the search team at Facebook, which has a pretty good handful of designers. Mm-hmm. Is this something you encourage other designers on your team to do as well? Or are you kind of the the only one actually digging into the code?
2: Um, I think that we have another guy on our team. His name is Justin. He also, like, knows how to, like, program in an iOS and, like... Justin install yeah he also he built the font game uh this is yeah this is kind of funny when i um so i'd c- come to facebook um with instagram and basically met justin and we just like we talked maybe once or twice and then half a year later i figure out that he was the guy who made the font game and so i made this like a thing where i would just like consistently like when i would bump into him, it was like are you the guy who made the <laughs> font game that gave him some pretty like solid ios knowledge like jumping into the facebook code base, isn't that easy but he definitely like also gets some stuff done um i think that other programming related things i would probably like i do prototyping in framer um there's like a lot of people that use origami at facebook and like obviously also outside of facebook but um to me writing javascript and like writing like reproducible code is way faster than figuring out what noodle to put to what input output thing.
1: I'm constantly blown away by what people can make in Framer. Yeah. Like Dustin Sinos built like a uh, a prototype that he was able to connect to me in like no time at all. I was like, this is better than most web services and you're just building it in a prototype. Yeah and, and it's crazy.
2: I remember when um so when Kuhn started working on Framer as like a side project, he was actually still like at Facebook. And he was just making this open source project and Framer Studio, like Framer Studio is a product that they sell, obviously, but Framer, like the basics, like you can just still get that for free, right? Um, And it was like 0.04 or something was like the version. And so I started like futzing around with it. And I think the first prototype that I made was um, we were working on Instagram video and it was like how the controls of the video player would move in as you would scroll past and it didn't have hardware acceleration, you know, like kind of like scrolling and like touch events were kind of wonky. And so what would happen is I would make it and it would be enough to communicate what we wanted to do. Um, and, but I could have also made it in Keynote because that was like the other tool that we would use back then. Magic move. Um, yeah, magic move. Oh, my uh, my old design manager, his name is Chris Wheeldryer. He came from Apple. He's like the king of like Keynote. And Cape I old mean... Davies. He, insanely good at it too and it's kind of not what it was meant for but i mean if you like whatever tool you needed to use to get the job done right um
1: photoshop wasn't meant for that
2: yeah exactly and it became the de facto and like now like it's actually like slowly but surely like fading into the ether unless they save it you know but yeah so something would break or framework wouldn't work and so i would just like message coon and be like hey like this isn't working. Do I need to actually like write an HTML, CSS and and JavaScript like separately now? And he's like, no, no. And we would go to this place called Maxfield's house of coffee, which is one of the kind of the worst coffee shops in the city. But they had this massive couch and like big windows. And it was like a sunny day and it's like a block from Dolores park. And so you, you don't, I know that place. Okay. I see it. You don't feel, like, too much like a nerd, but you're you're still sitting down here. And he would, like, I would make a prototype. He would, like, give me the newest, like, the shiniest one-second old version of Framer. And we would, like, sanity check if it would work. Or I would just, like, give him the prototype and he would, like, make it it work and then, like, give me the, the latest version of Framer at the time and we did that for like a, like a solid couple of months and just like complain about like oh this is not performing enough or like this is not like um how do i do like how do i even do this like a lot of the functionality wasn't even there like like writing your own paging stuff you would have to do back then and now the cool thing now is that because they're they've turned it into a company there is a a team of like really smart people like working on that now and they are consistently putting out small updates some like some are small or some are bigger than others but they consistently solve one problem at a time and that's like that's really good to see in like in like product development especially like at a scale that is small but interestingly visible because they're like kind of at the core of this like whole prototyping tool movement right
0: i see a parallel between what you just said and instagram when you were working there it was fairly newish um had been around what a year yeah. or two, uh, but incredibly selective in what got built. Mm-hmm. Right. But also very visible app. Yeah. I'm just curious about that process. And like, how, how would you see that happening at framer and Instagram? Just like keeping that, that dedication to fixing the one small thing at a time, and cranking away rather than, I don't know, spreading out too thin.
2: Yeah. I remember when Instagram launched, um, I found out when I started working there that my user ID was like 400 something and they had like 25,000 people on day one or something, which was super crazy. Obviously when I, when I started working remotely for them, it was like a year in and it was like, I had like 6 million registered users. Something think it was a pretty small and they had just, pretty
0: small at 6 million. Yeah, it was like, well, DVD. yeah, of course. Different scales these days.
2: Um, and so they had just launched um, 2.0. It had like live view camera and live filters and all this like kind of crazy stuff. And what you basically noticed was they didn't even expand on the feature set that much. They just made it better because it was already like really good. Like Instagram got launched in in the time when Hipstamatic was like the, the filter app. Mm -hmm. And, and it took like what, like 10 seconds to apply a filter. And there was kind of the shtick that it was like, well, like that's what it took. Back in the day, to actually develop like a little instant photo, which is bullshit, right? Like you, you have technology, shit gets faster. This is why, like, there's less chemicals involved. Exactly, <laughs> a lot less chemicals involved. Um, definitely no mercury if you have to believe Apple. Mm. Um, and so, <laughs> <laughs> let's start a conspiracy it's, theory. It's BPA this. free too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> this episode sponsored by Apple's Environmental Program. Exactly.
1: A certified lead gold.
2: EPA. Some number. Something. <laughs> so um, so it was, like, it was like really simple to make a better version of like a filter app if you can make it faster. And so eventually that was like kind of where Instagram won the first time. It was like the filters applied reasonably fast and the sharing seemed almost instant. And they, they just didn't go away from that. I mean, like if you have that many people use your product from the get-go, a, you're only focusing on scaling your servers, which there's like there's a really cool story somewhere around the internet about like how they how they had like a server one server in LA, and they like asked the guy it was like what if it's popular like how long would it take for us to add another server? And I think the guy responded with like oh two weeks. And they were like that's not gonna go that's not gonna fly. And he's like, well I mean like we have to like put it in like order a server put it in the rack, and that's why they moved it over to uh, Amazon Web Services, mm-hmm. which was obviously like clearly a good a pivotal moment because like had that not happened it, the story might have been completely different so yeah when we when i started working on, on it it was like we would still do all these like super not like incremental things but it was just like one project at a time so like i think like instagram 3.0 was like photo maps which was like everyone like it was like all hands on deck redesigning the app like completely reskinning the app and then adding photo maps and like when we did um, the photo tagging, it was like everyone was working on photo tagging, and when we did video, everyone was working on video, and that was the last project that everyone worked on, um, and all these like projects very diligently were decided like were decided and scoped, and the way Kevin like used to do it, I don't know if he does it still, is like he would basically like give you one or two um, core like elements that. He wouldn't budge on, and then the rest was like, just figure it out. Could you give an example? I don't have any like primary examples like, that I can call, call to, but it's like um, when we worked on like revamping the website a couple times, it was all about, um, like the first time we, we updated the photo pages, it was like, okay, commenting and liking needs to be available now, and the rest you can like figure out that's the mvp and we could have just easily added that into the brown website that it was back then but like we made sure to like redesign it and kind of pull it in line with the main app and then beyond that um we like very dil- diligently started doing like multiple app tracks or like multiple like project tracks i think that like we were working on both instagram direct and like the new registration flow which was like one of our first growth projects that we worked on and we were working on, like, the Windows Phone app, which was, like, this, like, small side thing that we really wanted to do because we really wanted to get something on the platform. Um, and that was, like, just after we had gotten iOS 7 at the door, which was, an, like, another fun event because, like, it was literally, like, we had our first roadmap ready with, like, I think two or three projects on it. And then, like, the keynote came and it was, like, you know, like the... Just a wrench, like the biggest wrench that anyone had ever thrown into the world of designers, it was like, "Hey, iOS Seven is out, guys, and everything you know is wrong." So, and no clear indication what uh-huh. we needed. So to do. So you guys stuck with the
1: roadmap. Still, have the <laughs> skeuomorphic icon. Yeah, I see.
2: Well, I mean, like the the icon is like it's 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 one of those things that um it's so recognizable and really like no one gives a shit about that thing except like. A bunch of loud designers, right? But that was like like iOS seven came out, and there was no clear like guideline. Like nowadays, like when Google came out with Material, it was like, hey, here's like a whole cool fancy website to like kind of explain to you how we thought about this. And like Apple, like obviously like did it too with like iOS I think eight and like the first Watch OS kit. But iOS seven, it was just like, oh yeah, here's like the new beta, and so I started like just measuring like throwing grids over like making screenshots just auditing the whole system and just literally seeing that there was like a hypothesis of there being this like four point infinite grid which was like it's four points horizontal it's four points vertical screen size independent like that's kind of where you want to put your stuff but none of their apps were consistent with this obviously because one of them would be like one pixel down and it would be one pixel above and as as it went on like every beta I would immediately download it, take all the screenshots and see if it got closer and it would get closer and closer to like that system. As soon as we had that, we basically started figuring out like, okay, like these are like kind of the basic elements that we have. And we have like five weeks to get this app out of the door. Um, And so I sat down with, um, with one of our super early iOS engineers. His name is Ryan Gamba. He's like this super smart dude. And we just like sat down at this chocolate place on Valencia and just... He started writing code and he made sure it didn't break and um, and I was just like trying to figure out where all the, the loose ends were in the app because I mean, there's like a lot of screens that we didn't even cover.
0: I was looking through your work. You have the iOS 7 announcement and I pulled up the app and held it right next to the iOS 7 version and they look basically the same. Like not a whole lot's changed. It's pretty crazy to me though that it, it's held up For this long and like not that much has changed i'm curious when you left how many designers were at instagram
2: i think it was eight when did you leave uh why or when when um i left in september of last year so just over a year ago okay well yeah
0: the why of that's an interesting question too but i'm trying to phrase this in like not an asshole way but like what were eight people working on what were eight Mm -hmm. designers working on in an app like what were you even doing yeah no i'm not trying to phrase it like that
2: but like what how I mean, would, how did you divide up the work? Because it's a, it's a really valid question, right? So, like, similar, like, right. why do you need like two hundred designers at a company like Facebook? Right? Exactly. Like, yes. Um Or like, you right? don't. It's layoff time. <laughs> yeah.
1: Brian's the youngest. He's the first to go.
0: <laughs>
2: Shit. So, so um, I think that when you get to a certain size of like the amount of people that use your product, you need to like very, very diligently do this like whole product creation process, right? And so. Um, a lot of it comes down to making sure that you make the right call, like when it goes out the door. Um, and you need people to look at every like single like thing pretty heavily before like you make a change. So the point of the, the so you looked at at the main feed basically as like not having changed a lot, but they did change the feedback mechanism. Um, and now there's like non square pictures and, and stuff like that. Fair enough. And so like non-square photos is something you can test. Like that's something that's, you make a bet, you make a call, throw it out the door. It's it's great that they did it because I think it kind of like, it was enough to actually like make it feel like new again, because now you have these like four by five ratio photos that like are almost full screen, which is really cool. But the feedback mechanism change that they did was basically to get the visual language in line with Android um, and I think web. And so that was like the one major change. And that's something that you can A-B test, right? Like, I don't know if they did it. But it's, like, it's it's a pretty meaningful change. Like, if you have a Surface that, like, hundreds of million people open the app to every day, changing that. Or even, like, figuring, like, thinking about the fact that you need to change that is not something that you're really worried about, right? You're you're probably way more interested. You're like, oh, well, this surface works well. Let's figure out, like, how search and explore can be improved. And then you, like, put a couple of designers on that. And, like, they go into, like, different directions. And, like, one of them looks at, like, how can you explore people or hashtags or places? Don't fix what's not broken. Yeah, exactly. and. And um, a lot of it is also like Instagram built hyperlapse and Instagram built layout. And so like some of the designers will be working on those production things. Which have a
1: different design language than the main app. I thought that was really interesting.
2: They have a somewhat different design language. But like, I mean, a lot of it is also like the newest thing that you make. If you have some freedom, will look a little more modern. And eventually you'll pull it back into the main thing. right? Um, And so this was also like iOS 7 was like leaps and bounds ahead of the Android app at the time. But because we were working on that while we were also working on Windows Phone, we started thinking about what is our design language. And before beforehand, our design language was like, oh, it's like one, like our half a point highlights and like a 1% noise thing. And then it became actually like we really care about like showing content. So content first is like one of our things that we care about and like always show context, which is why the like location thing is still like in the top and the sticky header kind of like finally got its reason behind it. Because I mean, it used to be like a UI table view or something in iOS. That's, what, that's why it was like easy and it was like, kind of cool. But now there was a reason for it. And there was also a reason for it, like the Android engineers to actually like spend time making that thing because it's way harder to do that on Android than it is on iOS. And so eventually, like I think five, four or five months after the iOS launch, iOS 7 launch, we finally refreshed Android. And so, why did we refresh Android? Well, not just because the not just to make it look nice, because honestly, again, most people that use the app don't give a shit. But it was about um, we could remove so much assets from um, from the the, um, the package that downloading it like I think it saved like a couple of meg like seven megabytes in download size, and it saved like tens of percents in like cold start time and like and also like it would just instantly like boot up um, if you would have had it open before and like it was still in memory and so these are these are like valid business and product reasons to actually like put effort behind something because when you have that much impact you need to like really focus on like what the priorities are
1: that level impact also kind of only matters at scale
2: uh it
1: like you're not optimizing for tenths of seconds at a a very small no, scale no no
2: like and like we like i don't think that we would have put all the manpower behind like an android redesign had we not sized the mm. the performance win to be that big right like yeah. how do you figure out if this is going to work well while well, you take all the assets out you try it on like different phones probably takes an engineer a day or a couple days and then you know like oh this is like this is the upper bound of how fast we can make this app and then you slowly add a bunch of assets back in right and so this is also the way we like we we work on search where we try to figure out a like what is like the primary thing that we can have impact at scale and how do we there's a lot more data-driven, or data-informed design there um, because sometimes we just make a call against the data because we know it's like really like we believe that it's, that it's better in the long run. But there's a lot more testing that goes into that because it's like a billion plus searches a day, like making a dent in, into that number. Not a great thing for, for the ecosystem, right? To look at the flip side of that, if you're building a small app and I actually had a I did a call with um, with a designer in the Netherlands who's working on this really cool um, product called blendle. And they basically sell like um, news articles at at, like 25 cents a pop or something. That's like kind of their model. And, um, and he was asking like, okay, so how do you do a B testing? And like, what, like, are there things that we can learn from how you guys deal? And they have, I think like a hundred thousand monthly actives or something. And, we kind of thought talked through it for like 10 to 20 minutes or something. And I was like trying to explain like how we do things only to realize afterwards that if you're at that scale, you need to work on things that are that impactful. That'll make like a two X change right. in your product. Right. Or something that you don't have to AB test. You can very easily see if you tank a number or if you like, if you grow two x, three x, four x, that those like step change things are the only thing that really matters. Because like, if you go from like a hundred thousand to a hundred and five thousand, that is not going to make a dent. And if you actually like spent one, two, three months working on something that actually just made that happen, you probably spent your time in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And so that's like the time in, in in like product development and design where you need to make like a couple of calls that probably come from asking people like what they think about it like a lot of qualitative studies uh, you don't even have to st- like do studies on it you can just like show like if you have like a crew of like designer friends you can just like start showing them does this make sense and the most important thing then is to deal with criticism and learn how to deal with criticism which is something that i think you learn over time mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure that like i didn't deal with criticism very well back in a day and now I like try to be as sensible to it as possible because like there's some like real like nuggets of truth, you know. In, it's in, in it's
1: stuff. always hard. Yeah, but yeah, I definitely think that designers are. We tend to focus more on that than most other groups of people. I, I love that. Like, it's such a good skill, but
2: well, it's because we also like we have to argue in, um, in gray areas a lot. Which, mm-hmm. like, if you're an engineer mm-hmm. and you like you like get your job done and it works then it works and you can like obviously argue quantitative yeah you can well you can argue about the semantics or like the implementation but a lot of like the early instagram app just worked and then we had like really really smart like people to improve on it but if it just works like there's like code in there that probably hasn't been touched ever since it like it was built and this is like a joke that that mike krieger the co-founder makes like i still know exactly that that like i've looked at the code base and i know that i wrote that code in like september of like 2011 or something and it's still there you know and um and so that's like yeah if it works like you don't have to fix it but if you're a designer then you're always like you're always questioning everything and and if especially if you look at like the world now where we have like like companies like, I don't know, what is it, Optimizely or like all this like A-B stuff. We have this like whole trend of like testing that has come out because all these big companies do it. You kind of get like lost in it and you're probably trying to just use the tool as like a means to an end instead of actually like solving a problem with it. It's like, oh yeah, we need to do A-B testing because like I did it back at Google and like we have a new startup and this is how we're going to do it. Having said that, I think that Facebook was actually like really good early on at doing like a lot of like testing and slow rollouts or like just giving things to people and not being scared of taking it away again, which made them focus on like the core product Mm -hmm. too. So, um,
0: so in your opinion, when's like the right time or scale to start doing very serious AB testing?
2: I don't think it's about when I think it's probably more about what is the AB that you're testing. You're probably not going to do test like just an icon change when you're at like 50k and like monthly actives or something you're probably going to want to test like maybe a new registration flow or you're going to like want to do like some early growth projects and that's where the testing probably comes in pretty well but you're not going to want to like oh this this icon language or that like those are not things that like end users really care about Mm -hmm. unless like the one is really toxic green a bad icon yeah, yeah like a really horrible but shiny icon and the other one is like the beautiful simple designer icon you know like the <laughs> designer icon
0: i want to get back into search cuz you said something interesting about like making decisions against the data but really quickly uh why did you decide to leave instagram and move to main facebook yeah so the worst
2: <laughs> the worst the the interesting thing was that To me, switching from Instagram to Facebook, I'd almost been at Instagram for about three years. And every time you double the team, it kind of like becomes this whole new thing. So I think we've doubled the team probably like six times or something, um, maybe even more. Um, And so you learn a lot like going through that. Um, You're also working on like one of the most high profile products that everyone uses. Like all these launches are like really like, like fairly like decently covered even by like mainstream media. And so you work on, like, something that we deem in the design world shiny. Like, you work on probably one of the shiniest things that you can work on. And that's really cool for a long time. Um, but then at a certain point, you kind of, like, start doing the same thing over and over again. You know, like, you can you can make the camera once and you can make it again. And, like, it's kind of cool. But, like, the... And there's new challenges. But at a certain point, I was like, well, I want to, like, maybe focus on different challenges. And I wanted to work... I wanted to go from, like, the shiniest thing to the, like the non-shiniest thing, but also from like uh, a team that didn't really do a lot with that much with data yet. They like Instagram had just been doing it probably for like six months or so to probably one of the most decked out team teams that had like pretty decent instrumentation. I thought at the time didn't end up like really being, and which was, which was great because that's what we ended up solving. Like we, um, when I joined search, we like made this like scrappy team of like a really awesome PM and like a really, aw- like one of the re- most ridiculously awesome data analysts that i've ever met and we kind of like started figuring out like that our main metrics were wrong and all that kind of stuff and that gets into weeds a little bit but um one of the other things that i wanted to do was like well it's really um cool to like be like an early um, employee of a a company that's obviously so cool that everyone wants to work there so growing your team isn't that hard it's still really hard because you want to find the right people But it's probably harder to convince someone to join a team that like Facebook search because it's where you can't really show someone how cool it is to work on search. Right. You can't. It's not like, oh, look at like all these people at a concert taking a picture of like Mumford and Sons (laughs) or something. No, it's like they're searching and they're using it to like stalk people or something. Right. Like and like everyone thinks that like search at Facebook is still about like only finding people, whereas we have this product that we work on called Post Search, which is basically a search engine across the whole Facebook ecosystem. So my manager, um, Russ, uh, Russ Moshmeyer. I don't know if you've had. A I was manager, gonna ask if he was yeah. on your team. Yeah. So like he's yeah. he's my boss man or like my manager. I guess my boss man is Tom. He and I we just sat down and, and like kind of started figuring out some goals. Like what like what do you want to do after this? And one of them was um, help grow the team and like figure out like how to do that again on something that is way less shiny. So like they had, I think four designers at the time. And so getting that to like eight to 10 would be like really awesome. What are you guys at now? Um, like I think we're at 12 now or something. Yeah. Um, and also like try and figure out what the narrative is for, for, um, a team like Facebook search. Cause even like internally we we're, we weren't that good at like communicating, like what we were doing, like we'd launched graph search and then like took it away again, et cetera, et cetera. And there was like a lot of permutations of the search product that, and we did a lot of testing. So every employee, you would have like a different experience of what search was. Giving people reasons to join the team and figuring out like what those reasons could be. That was like at the core of like why I wanted to join that from a people perspective. So on the product side, I really wanted to figure out like how to deal with a lot of data and like also like kind of like flex some like, like maybe not even, not really like product management muscles, but just like sane logical thinking muscles as well as bring a lot of the um kind of pedigree and the thinking that we had at instagram which is really like okay we're gonna like be super um uh, super focused on what we're gonna ship and we're gonna ship it within this time frame and it took like a pretty long time to actually bring that over to search we've done it a couple of times now where we just like set a date and we're like this is like the minimum viable thing we're gonna build it all hands on deck let's do it and I don't think that they did a lot of that, like, before beforehand. Um, now, one of the th- one of the ways that we've then learned to talk about, like, search, and one of the things that I've come to um, very much appreciate is it's actually really important to have a supportive environment to work in as a designer. It's cool that you're all, like, being super scrappy and, like, working, like, 150% on, like, the newest, shiniest thing. But if you actually, like, take the shiny thing away you also take away a lot of the ego and you also take away a lot of the the caring to have your name on something. And so what you get is you get a group of designers that are like at different levels of experience that all work together on on the same product in some way, shape or form. And you want to like start figuring out, okay, so what is the, what can I really like mean to my team, right? Like on the one hand, you can help someone critique someone's work, but on the other hand, you can also just like, talk them through like your experience. So like ask them questions that you've kind of like garnered, like the general thing that you do is like you, you make a mistake in life, you fix it, you learn from it. But what that also generates is a question. Like, has someone else like been through this? Like how, like how did they get to where they were? Which is like, obviously what you guys do on the show here, but it's like really nice because it actually humanizes the team way more as like friends than, than just colleagues. Right. Um, can we
0: dig into that a bit? I, I don't know if Bryn would ever toot his own horn, but Bryn wrote this blog post this week about mentorship. He's been thinking a lot about it. We've been thinking a lot about it, um, and it's kind of been starting to be discussed, uh, certainly among my team. I don't know if you've seen discussions mm-hmm. on your team. How do you approach mentorship? I know that uh, different places say that you mentor designers, and certainly within your own team. But like, how do you approach mentoring people? Like, is it a very formal, structured thing, or how are, internally? Are, yeah. Or are people coming to you? Are you going to them? How does that relationship form and sort of evolve over time for you?
2: I don't think that we have a format about like how that relationship forms. Um, I think that officially, like internally, I mentor two people that are on my team. What do you mean by
0: officially? Like,
2: like you are a that, mentor. Well, that's like something that will like that I talk about with uh russ on like a like weekly or bi-weekly basis i like try to figure out how they're doing like it's like part of my job to make sure that they like grow and they're like set up to do like awesome work right um and that's like the official one that i've taken on and then unofficially like i'm always open to like people asking me questions and like just like sit down or like even sit down for like like a couple hours with like good friends of mine that are going through um going through like the same things that I've been through. So like starting to work at a startup, like dealing with the first like offer that you get. Like, I didn't know like what I, what happened to me when I got my first offer. Like I was going to make three times as much as I did at my own like studio. And then I moved to San Francisco and the rent is three times as high, you know? Like and, you don't like, yeah. you didn't know all those things. You don't right. know like what stock options necessarily mean and, and all that kind of stuff. And so also, yeah, talking them through that, uh, talking them through like situations that like like they've had with either like one of their colleagues or like one of their managers and like giving some somewhat of like a sanity check or like a different um, different um, viewpoint to like different perspective on like like the situation that they're in. And that's like, to me, is also mentorship. Like, again, there's this thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately where it's way more about people than it is necessarily about product like making shiny things is cool but if you're going to do that for like 40 years i mean sure you might get like the Joni ive status or something and you might be one of the legends but on the other hand
1: you, you got a really like shiny
2: yeah you got a really like shiny and matte man matte, matte aluminum which <laughs> is the opposite of shiny <laughs> yeah exactly so like he has he has everything right he has the he has both of the, both he, of the he's got of the that spectrum. rose
1: gold watch it's
2: fine. Oh yeah, no. He d- he doesn't. He has like a platinum watch or something. Rose gold and white. Is that it? Apple Watch. Yeah. Did you did you meet him and talk to him about it?
1: I mean, yeah. We're <laughs> we're friends. friends, friends. Pretty, Biffles
0: pretty high up there.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so, but the, there's this thing where it's it's so much <laughs> <Buffles>. more <laughs> Biffles. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> M- my new job
1: title is Johnny I Biffle.
2: <laughs> Twitter bio. <laughs> um, but even then, like I think that um, while he might be, or like while Steve might, Steve Jobs, I'm just going to call him Steve, uh, <laughs> might be Steve. like known for Apple and the products that oh, he made. Oh, you're Steve Biffle, got it. Yeah. Um, his legacy is people like Tim Cook and people like Johnny Ive, right? And that's way more important than the than actually like making the iPod because Steve led that company and sure he like had to do something with it and like he has great taste and he like was able to motivate people like in good and bad ways to like get the stuff done. And he was part of like the personal computer revolution and he was part of like the digital media revolution. And then like smartphones finally became like a useful thing. But I would posit that like his effect on the people that he worked with is way like way more impactful to the world than, than just this
1: products, Personal computers. Yeah. The, it's a bold claim.
2: Yeah, because like someone else would have figured that out back then.
1: Would right, would, right, like, would Tim Cook and Johnny Ive exist if it weren't for like early days of Apple? Would they, they be Tim Cook and Johnny Ive or would I they mean, be
2: I they would be, but it, they but they would be different Tim people and different
1: situations. Tim Cook and Bono would be best right? friends and
0: <laughs> they could still do that weird finger.
2: Yeah. Finger
0: touch.
1: You can't get rid of that. That's going to happen you seen, regardless. Have you
2: seen like 1997 videos of like Johnny Ive with his like longer hair and like and he's kind of like a nerd, and he just made like the clamshell iBook and stuff. And now he's like this kind of demigod who that lives we, in a white space. Yeah, exactly. He just like he literally lives in a white room. That's that's what he does. I, I love
1: know. this this rumor that he's actually dead and they're reconstructing <laughs> <laughs> videos of him. <laughs> I don't,
2: I don't, I don't, th- I wouldn't say that I would that I love that rumor. Th-
1: that's fair, but. God, it, it's just so funny cuz it's so close to plausible. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, every video is roughly the same thing
0: roughly, yeah. It is,
2: but
1: aluminum
2: but it's also like a way better thing. A way better version of the previous thing. That's kind of like what they keep on doing. Again, like Apple does this iteration. too, right? They like they iterate, but and you can look at it critically or what you can look at it in a knee-jerk way and be like, "Oh, like you just made it like a millimeter thinner." sounds like, cool. It
1: seems like they do one shiny thing every year and a lot of pragmatic things every
2: year. Yeah. I think they do one shiny thing every two to three years and then like one pragmatic thing.
0: Well, that's a good segue into what you mentioned earlier, something you've been thinking a lot about, which is designing at big companies uh, versus designing at startups or an agency and like trying to understand where is a good place for young designers to start and sort of learn these skills. Um, could you share a little bit about like what you're thinking Yeah. So
2: just to give a little, just to like summarize my background, I was at a small agency. I then started a small company that I think was like 20 people at a certain point. Um, I went freelance. I then worked at a, um, worked at a small startup, a small tech company. And then I, we finally got into a big tech company and I think, there is a merit to both like starting by yourself um, and like figuring it out by by yourself and kind of having to deal with failure and going through that process, but seeing kind of this, again, this mentorship thing, like, like we talk about, like there's a lot of conversation about it at Facebook right now, where if you have like 200 designers on a team, you also have quite a valid like support system for new grads that come in or for people that um that are like self self self-taught that are very young like we i think we've um one of our designers i think she was like 19 when she started at the company and she um she even dropped out of high school or something like but she was really good i remember interviewing her and being like "Wow, like got her head screwed on right um definitely like rough like I think execution-wise or something, but like, did it like, definitely like a heavy talented person right here, um, and so it's so it's on us to actually a make this person grow and b like reap the like reap the benefits of that, um, and that's what I think when why a large company and why now again like search is like one of those places where you can't sell the shininess of the product that you're building. But if you make an environment where people can grow their pragmatic thinking, their um, learn how to like launch like iterations of a product that has like a billion like uses a day, you know all these like small things together like these small things with well, a billion users a day. Well, but like it's like oh, it's like one small feature in in the ecosystem yeah. of, of usage, right? And so these things together like in half a year can actually al- already like multiplied their like skill level by two X, even though like you can't really measure this obviously. Um, but then what you'll see is probably, well one half they had um, work that was like really well calibrated to their skills. And then one half, like someone, so- sometimes you just work on stuff that isn't really like well aligned with your skills. Right. And so then you have to be able to deal with either learning that fast enough or failing And even the the failing thing you probably learn about more, Um, and then you like eventually like you turn into hopefully well-rounded person. And so if you if you go into these if you go into like a larger company, if it's set up right, like I don't I'm not gonna say that every large company is like a good spot to land on. What I'm actually saying is that you as a as a like new designer, you probably want to figure out: Do I want to work with these people? Way more than do I want to work on this product. And so on the one hand, you can be like, oh yeah, I can like work on the shiniest new thing. And, um, and it's like, you could like start working on Snapchat or something. Right. Like, and, but on the other hand, like I personally like don't see a lot of like structural design work happening there that from the outside, like I've literally no context there. Right. But like, I I don't see that. And so I wouldn't know, like I, if I would have talked to people there, I I might've like Change my mind but i don't know if there's like a support system within a company like that to actually like help you grow i can say that for facebook i know that there are some like really really cool people at google that would probably be great to work with and to learn from um same thing goes for like dropbox like pinterest airbnb like there's like some really really good people there but i don't know how they've organized their company to actually like help people grow and i think that's what we um what we kind of also need to learn as like these like tech companies become larger and larger that it's also really important not just for um for to create like a larger like skillful workforce but also to just retain people like i'm like one of the things that i always say is why i'm at facebook is because i'm learning like this is kind of like my like i think the the term in the u.s is like graduate program or something right there's like undergrad and all that kind of weird stuff
1: None um, no, it makes sense to us either.
2: Good. So, but that's why, like, that's still why I'm here. And I, and I always try to figure out, like, on like, a half yearly or on a yearly basis, like, what is the next thing that I can learn? What is the next challenge that I want to focus on? And that's what I also tell people who, like, who ask me, like, how do you approach these problems? Or, like, people that like, I quote unquote then mentor, which is like, okay, look at the next six months and look at the things that you want to achieve look at what you want to achieve for both the company that you work for and look at what you want to achieve on a personal basis and have two goals in each of those buckets, because then you basically have the oppor- those. You can actually hit like four big goals. You can probably hit and you can probably like focus on them any more than that. I would probably say you can't. The most important thing is you, you focus on one goal in each bucket at the same time. Could you
0: give an example?
2: So one of them could be, um, if you, uh, one of the things that I really wanted to figure out was personal level. On a, per, on, a, on a personal level, one of the things that I wanted to figure out is like, how do I fit within a larger team? And like, how, like, what is that? How do I fit within a team that doesn't have the visibility outwards that Instagram has? And that's like stuff that I'm going to have to deal with because I always get antsy when I don't launch stuff. And I, and I, so one of the questions that I had is it, do I get antsy because I really want that, like, that dopamine kick in my head that my name is on a cool thing? Or is it really that I just want to have produced something? And so I found out that even though I work like within a team that has a bunch less visibility outwards and doesn't launch as much as many things publicly, we launch things. We just don't announce them. Um, I noticed that on the side, I would just like write some like react code or like update my website and like add like a small thing to it. So I found out that it's actually way more for me about The personal feeling of productivity than it is about like the boost of of publicity now at the same time i wanted to learn if i could um help grow a team again but on a way non-shinier basis and so that was like that was like a professional goal that was both for the company as well as for myself and then i also wanted to learn another like both a no another personal goal was like i want to figure out how to deal with data i want to like learn how to dig into like massive amounts of data how to analyze like i want to figure out like how do we separate out these like a b tests like how does that work some really smart people that work on that and i didn't do statistics when i was like in college and so that's that's also something that i really wanted to focus on other examples are i want to learn prototyping i want to learn engineering or like i wanted i want to land like an ios pull request um like those are like goals that you can set yourself that are very tangible that i mean if i t- ask someone that hasn't ever programmed to like land a pull request on maybe a like 10 person company's like code base that that's going to take a while cuz you're going to have to install xcode provisioning profiles um, like github github needs like an ssh key you know like all that kind of like crazy jazz comes in there and you you get to deal with that kind of stuff right but at the end of the day you kind of know like what the larger framework is around like getting that stuff done. The same thing goes for prototyping. Like you can use something that can move something from A to B, but at a certain point you get bored and you want it to like kind of bobble or something, or you want to make like a more complex system. You want to actually have five tabs and like figure out like what the transition is between these tabs. And then you're going to make like a systematic thing. And so that's how you learn like how to prototype. Like you just take it one step at a time.
0: How do you keep yourself accountable to those half goals?
2: You write them down and you look at them every month. Okay,
0: that's all it takes for you.
2: Um, I have the yeah, I have this markdown file that is like that just has like f- generally four lines in them or two lines or something. Okay, because if I would put it in a to do list, I would never look at it again.
0: Well, I ask because some people have different methods. Like, so many people set goals for themselves. Especially, I see designers like wanting to learn to code. One method people have of holding themselves accountable is like telling a friend or putting money on the line or like having some sort of exterior influence on that. It sounds like you're more internally motivated.
2: Yeah. I, I think I've had it at the start of notebooks. So you would just open a notebook and you would just look at it and you can like kind of strip it off. Um, I think that, yeah, for me it's way more about like my, like, this is also the thing that I've learned. It's more about like my productivity than it is about like being publicly accountable for it. It's way more about, if I haven't done that at the end of the year, or at the end of the like half or the quarter or the month, then I'm going to feel pretty shitty about it. So I don't need anyone else to be on my case about it. Like, oh, you didn't do that. You want to like, what is that person supposed to say? You're going to, you want to try it again? <laughs> Here's another month, you know, like right. I'll make you feel bad in a month again. Um, so I, to me, yeah, to me, it's way more personal. Like these goals, like that you set.
0: Have you failed on any of those?
2: Oh yeah, all the time.
0: And what do you do? Do you just extend it or? reframe the goal
2: um you i mean sometimes the goal just like wasn't that important to begin with it's the same thing with with ideas right the thing that i do with ideas is i write them down and then i don't look at them for two weeks if they're like pretty big things and if they, they're they not time sensitive or something right and then i look back at them and then i look if they're still sane so i have this like monogram which is like a circle with like an m in, like an ml in it mm-hmm. and that took Eight months to make. <laughs> Jesus. And the reason why I landed on that thing was because after two weeks, I was like, I don't hate this. After four weeks, I was like, I don't hate this. And after six weeks, I was like, all right, I guess I'll just like put this on a business card now. I guess I'll just like put this on my website. Um, and so there's like been some ch- some like line thickness changes over time and like some smoothening and figuring out how to animate the thing. SVGs. But, yeah, SVGs um and but yeah that's like that's how i got to it i didn't hate it after six weeks
1: anyway we're out of time okay anything you want to plug before you go
2: what i want to plug yeah is, is the notion of like if you're looking to like start your first job or like your second job actually look at like the people that you're going to work with way more than like how fancy the product is great advice. cool
0: cool thanks right. for thanks for coming on, for
2: coming on. <laughs> that's it
0: That's it. A very faint woo.
2: A very faint woo. All right. Thanks, man. Cheers.
0: That was it. Episode 71. Hope you enjoyed listening. If you did, hit us up on Twitter. We're at Design Details FM. Or come chat with us on our Slack team. Over 1,500 designers and developers are in there chatting about new tools, exciting developments in design and technology. And of course, our Friday open critique.
1: We've got a few other shows that are really incredible. There's people in there from those shows that you can connect with on the fly. Those are developer t immutable does not compute they're really awesome shows
0: but we have more shows coming soon uh, so to keep up with that go to spec.fm slash slack and we'll send you an invite before we go of course huge thanks to the two sponsors that made this episode possible
1: you guys all know dropbox they're awesome they're trying to support the community they're trying to make designers work better and work better together specifically through their syncing service and supporting things in the community like design details can't thank them enough they've been hugely supportive and really really awesome to work with as is their tool so thank you once again to Dropbox.
0: Also, thank you to One Month. One Month is an online school specifically for tech entrepreneurs. Basically, they're going to teach you how to build real things with real tools. Like you can actually build Pinterest. Uh, they'll show you how to do it, writing code. Uh, whether you're a non-programmer or you have a programming background, they're going to help you. Real people are there to support you along the way. It's an amazing way to learn new skills and actually have an end product that's usable. It's really amazing. We're so happy that they're supporting the show. To check them out, go to onemonth.com slash design details, and that'll get you 25% off your first month subscription of one month. Huge thanks to One Month.
1: See you on Monday with Morgan Knudsen.